Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel, here with Elias Randall, heading into the end of the year, Eli. I feel like we need to do a show about the themes of 2022 and what was popular and what the, the major headlines are. And I know Molly has that planned for uh, the next show or two to kind of summarize the year because it's been a fairly interesting year, I think, to say the least. We've seen some some interesting moves in the market. In fact, I was listening to CNBC on my way home for lunch today. And I'm going to quiz you. Do you know what the 10-year treasury was entering the year of 2022? No, I don't. It was around 1.8%, I think. It traded 3.56 today. That's, That's a huge move. move. Yeah. It's double the increase in interest rates. So a lot of really, really big things has happened. And, you know, I've got, I'm getting the question and I'm, I'm sure you are too. What's going to happen next year? What's the 2023 outlook And what does your little crystal ball say? And, you know, we always have the answer. We don't have one, but I'm going to, I'm going to hit you up and just say, Hey, what's your 2023 outlook? What do you think the themes are going forward next year? What are your thoughts and feelings on the market? Well, okay. So for clients, um, I think more of the same is probably a good message. More volatility, more uncertainty. Um, we just have until we're out of the clear of inflation being too high and recession, the odds of recession being too high. I just think there can continue to be a lot of negative sentiment from investors, but ultimately, and we we talked a little bit about this on our radio show, typically the market will turn around before the economy does. Um, so I don't, people should wait until things are good as far as like the overall economy. But I think right now the best mentality to have is I've already decided I'm going to get through this. I'm going to continue doing that. And, you know, it's just, you can have like one bad year or two bad years in the last 12 and it shouldn't be detrimental to your to your overall goals. So there's a recent study by CNBC. They surveyed, it's called the CNBC Millionaire Survey. So they surveyed millionaires. Millionaires haven't been this bearish since 2008. 56% of millionaire investors expect the S&P 500 to decline by double digits next year. By, of at least 10%. A third, of, a third of them expect it to decline by more than 15%. I think that's overly bearish. If you look at the past economic cycles of how many back-to-back -back negative years we've had in the markets, there's been very few back-to-back -back negative years. And right now we're looking at a minus 20 this year. And a third of the people believe it's going to be minus 15. And what comes to my mind when I hear that is that people are very fearful right now. And I think the talk of we probably are going to have a recession at some point next year, really, is it kind of a mild, moderate or deep recession kind of rings true to what, what you were saying. Like, we don't know what's going to happen, but I just find it hard to believe that people believe over a two year period of time, we're going to be down 40%. Yeah. That, that that's hard to believe. I don't know if I can get with that. Um, I, I guess I'm not surprised people are that bearish. I think that's probably 
I would say for the last year, I've probably been more bearish than I have for a long time, but I think, I actually think where we're at now, I don't think it should be too surprising or too shocking. Um, just with like earnings and where the S and P is actually priced, we're actually pricing probably what's considered to be fair, fair value as far as like the, uh, the multiple and all that. So, and it could get worse. But I don't know. I but then the other part of me is like, well, if that many people are really bearish, typically the the majority's wrong trying to predict things like this. So we'll see what happens. I know the people that have good investor behavior and um, own a good like a quality portfolio where they're diversified and they've done the prudent things as far as planning. I'm very confident all those people will be fine. Um, and probably won't have too many, you know, it, it might be another year with some hurdles, but probably not too many stumbling, uh, stumbling blocks as they go. So I, I just pulled up a quick chart of the S and P returns year by year to go back and see how many back to back negative years the markets had. Okay. The last time we had back to back negative market was 2000. The market was actually negative for 2000, 2001 and 2002. So that was tech bubble and 9-11. The cumulative down market there is 46%. That's, so it's been 20 years since we've seen back-to-back -back negative years in the stock market. Before that, the last time we had a negative back-to-back -back stock market year was 1973 and 1974. So in the last 50 years, we've had two times we've had negative back-to-back -back stock market. So I don't think that's, I'm just going back to that millennial or that millionaire survey. And I'm not sure that I'd read too much into how people are feeling because we don't really know what's going to happen with the stock market. Um, I do believe I'm with you though. We should just expect a, an increased level of volatility for the time being as we kind of try to figure out what's going to happen with interest rates. That's what a lot of this is, is where are interest rates headed? Are they going to keep going up? Is inflation easing? You know, we had the Fed meeting last week and, you know, what the Fed said didn't necessarily line up with the economic data. And what I mean by that is we had two pretty good, two relatively good inflation reports, better than expected. But then Jerome Powell came out and said, hey, we're going to be higher for longer. So it was almost like mixed messages to the investing community. And, and a lot of people are starting to believe that Jerome Powell's looking more at actual employment than just inflation. Which would make sense, right? Well, I mean, as long as we have a high you know, or a low unemployment rate and wages are going up, it's going to be very difficult to really rein in inflation. People just spend more money. But when people start to lose their jobs, which we're seeing, if you look around, I just read an article about uh, or out in San Francisco, the Salesforce building, it's like half empty. The company Salesforce? Not the company Salesforce, but their tower, because what what's happened? Meta's laid off 11,000 people. Companies have stopped hiring. They've sent workers home since COVID. Like, there's not as many people going to the office. But if you look who's laying people off right now, it's in the tech space, which has been the hardest hit by rising interest rates. At some point, that's probably going to start to trickle down through the economy. And that's really what the Fed wants. I think they had a target of unemployment of about 4.6%. We're at 3.7 today. 
So that's a 25% increase almost in unemployment. Right. And I guess all the messaging has been they're going to do what it takes to hit those metrics. So, yeah, I would expect things in the economy to get tougher. Doesn't mean, though, like you said, the stock market necessarily will follow. It's a forward looking indicator. Um, you know, there's a chart we can put it up on the website, btwellshow.com, that just shows, you know, market market typically recovers six months before the recession ends. So the question is, when do we enter the recession and when does the stock market, you know, begin to recover? And we none of us know that we obviously don't know that. But those are the things to think about. Just because somebody says, hey, there's going to be a recession doesn't mean that the stock market is going down exponentially further. It doesn't mean it won't go down. Just doesn't mean it means that the end may be in sight sooner rather than later. Well, and we very well could have already had the seen the low prices. I mean, we could have already hit the point that we're not going to go lower than that. No one knows. Yeah, nobody knows. I mean, we're getting close to retesting the lows, though. Yeah. You know, we're off. We had the the rally in October, November, and we've sold off pretty rapidly. I think people are starting to get a, like, the all-clear signal in October and November when things are pretty good. In fact, I had a client uh, I ran into the other day. She's like, man, I was so happy to see my account went up for the month of November. I said, yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? Hopefully she doesn't see what happens in December. <laughs> it's going down again. Uh, but but one thing that happened the other night, I know we were at uh, the client event, and you, um, someone asked you, Elias, in one sentence to sum up what you think the stock market will do next year, what was your answer? I thought this was great. Yeah, okay. Well, the question was about, like, what's in one sentence, how do you think people should be investing for the future. And I think some of the things we're going to talk about today highlight that, but I think my answer, I didn't give a sense. My answer was quality. I think you should own comp right now. You want to own companies that have been around for a long time, have good cash flow, have always paid a dividend. They don't miss dividend payments. Maybe they raise their dividend. And I think if you think about where we're at, so like the, what, what led the way for the last decade, technology companies were all of them making money no but they had apparently the, the, in the public markets they were worth a lot of money even though they weren't making any money and that was possible but you could value those companies that way in a, a low or zero interest rate environment but we're getting back to i just i feel like we're getting back to an environment where a lot of the other metrics other than just like speculation are going to matter a lot more, um, like paying a dividend, what your cash flow actually is, um, and just all those more traditional metrics. And I think if you own, I guess I at least find some, um, if you own companies that have survived other recessions, I think you can feel like they're going to survive again. Where if like if your whole portfolio is technology today, well, there's probably a lot of those that may not survive this recession. They may not be able to get the funding they need. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not sure you'll remember the answer. Okay. The summer of 2021, what was the theme of the best investment? The theme of the best investment yeah. in What were the best investments in 2021? Uh, technology investments? No, or... we, we joked about it. Just go find the dumbest 
dumbest, stupidest thing out there and buy it. It's going to oh, go up in value. That's back when we were going long on stupidity. We're going, yeah, we're going long <laughs> on stupidity. So think about where we've we've come from. We went from hey, buy anything that doesn't make any sense and it goes up, to you better be buying quality companies that have dividends, share buyback. So it's funny how investing themes change because. You know, 10 years ago, we talk about dividends and rising dividends and why are they, they were important. And all that kind of went to the wayside when value just drastically lagged growth for three, four, five years, no one to own it. And now we just kind of come back to, hey, go pick the boring investment that pays a decent dividend and let it do what it's going to do. But we all got greedy. Everybody got greedy. doesn't matter who it is. Everybody wants a piece of it when it's really, really good. And the other thing I've been thinking about recently, um, it's a Warren Buffett quote, but you know the one where he talks about when the tide, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. And he's talking about like portfolios and not being positioned. We're already seeing it. FTX gone. Right. Yeah, you can get away. Hey, when prices go up, when Bitcoin's at sixty six thousand, you can pull off whatever scheme you want. Prices collapse, then there's problems. This happened in oh eight oh nine. Well, and it was also, so in 2021, to go along with what you're saying, it was just buy the most speculative asset and and it goes up. And I, I feel like we're entering into another cycle where professional investors, and like it was also cool to talk about how Warren Buffett's too old for investing back in 2021, <laughs> right? That, that was another thing that was cool to do. Well, he's just out of touch. He's too old. And now it's like the tide is turning and- Who's going to be standing there having the last laugh once again in another decade? Meanwhile, that's what Meanwhile, he Meanwhile, he, he's yeah. letting everybody bash him. He's too old. He doesn't know what he's doing. You know, it brings up another thing is I'm just reflecting back over the year, and I know I'm kind of skipping a little bit forward. I haven't seen a TikTok video on how to invest in options or make $1,000 a day or $10,000 a day trading for a long time. Or... Remember the most crazy one we talked about? Take $100 and turn it into yes, $1 million That was the exact one I was trying to think about. I wish those guys would do a video, how I lost all my money trading, because that's what's happened. Oh, yeah. It's, it's I'm easy. sure it's devastating, some of the it's, stories and losses you could hear it's about It's really now. easy to make money when everything goes up. What are you going to do when it goes down? Because the people who are making excess profits, or you heard about the guy who made so much money in one investment, they had to take a level of two things. One of two things happened. They either got extremely lucky or they had to take a level of excess risk to get it because most people aren't throwing around enough money to turn it into a meaningful investment that would change their life. Well, they're finding out now, but yeah, there's a lot less TikToks. There's a lot less videos. And this is my own personal experience. There's far less people asking questions about meme stocks, cryptocurrency, all the things that were super popular a year ago at this time. But one of the things I think that will matter more is dividends, yield, interest rate, kind of making up more of someone's total return portfolio. So you know, we've talked about having a fair rate of return. What's, what's your rate of return goal? If you go to uh, Go to our website. You can download the the Retirement Survival Guide. I'll have Molly put that up there. But talks about some of the core values and why you should have a fair rate of return goal. Like, is your goal 7%? Well, if your goal is 7%, 
the last 10 years, you've pretty much had, it had to be mostly growth because not that many things were paying much more than two or 3% tops in interest, unless you're really stretching for yield and you're taking on more risk. But all of a sudden today, you know, we're looking at 12 month CDs that are paying in the mid fours. So if your goal is 7% and you're getting four and a half from some fixed rate investment, you only need two and a half percent of growth. It's going to make it much, much, much easier for the average investor to hit that, you know, total return goal that they have based on where interest rates are today. It will be. And for more, con uh, certainly older investors who are typically more conservative, that's probably a good thing because I like people maybe had to kind of extend their uh, risk tolerance a little bit to to get the returns they wanted, especially it's hard to buy, you know, when this, when CD, when you like a CD, what we call it two years ago, well, the market's going up like crazy. And what's the best CD available out there a couple of years ago, less than 2%, probably maybe not even that. I'm at one and a half. It was crazy. So people were willing to take on a little bit more risk. And I guess hopefully that ends up being maybe a silver lining of this current environment is maybe people can take some risk off the table and still achieve their goals or their fair rate of return goal or, you know, their income goals, whatever that might be. I think another thing that we're going to start to see too is, you know, the last 10 years has been dominated by technology and there may be just some shift, some new market leadership that, that starts to emerge. I mean, one of the things that COVID brought to light, Elias, was the things that we did well in America and the things that we didn't. And we started to realize how reliant we are on other countries for certain items. And I'm just going to pick out one, but just the chip space. You know, the fact that we can't get computer chips. What's happened since that, we've had this initiative to onshore chip making, make it so we're less reliant on these other companies. So there may be areas of, of our market or, or different market leadership and opportunities that start to start to emerge because of this, I don't want to call it domestication, but bringing of companies back to America to make sure what happened during COVID doesn't happen again. And that would be, I would think a good thing for everyone. I think that would be a good thing. And I think a lot of people probably feel in the pinch the last year that there's certain things we can't we can't get here. I mean, ultimately, with the price of labor here, those items will be more expensive. But it's kind of one of those things where, well, if it's going to be more expensive, we all just have to be okay paying the extra cost. But at least we can have all the products and the services we need without relying on um, you know things that are imported. Elias, another another thing that people should probably start paying attention to, and truth be told, in a zero interest rate environment, when money was easy, monetary policy was easy, people paid less attention to earnings. But I believe that growth investing is going to be very dependent upon earnings. And one of the things that people should be thinking about is if we do have a deep recession, companies are going to earn less. So you mentioned, I don't remember what you mentioned, that the market was maybe trading it up near a fair earnings multiple right now. Historically, the S&P 500 trades around 16, I believe. But if companies lower their earnings, 
and prices stay the same, that inherently raises their price to earnings ratio, right? They're trading a higher. So we could be at 18 or 19, but if they bring their earnings down because of recession, that could bump us to 25. And that could be the next leg down in the market. I don't know as if that's going to happen, but I think with growth companies, you should be very, very, very conscious on what's happening with their earnings. You know, I think of companies that weren't so concerned, Netflix and some of the uh, Netflix, Hulu, the only concern with those companies were what was the subscriber growth? Nobody's worried about how much money they were making because they believed the, the money would follow subscribers. I think going forward, you're going to have to be watching out for what are these companies' earnings. And, uh, and once again, it's probably one of the reasons that people are going to lean on dividends. We want to make sure we're getting paid. You know, one of the last things company do, companies do is cut their dividend. That's a negative sign to shareholders if you have to cut your dividend. Yeah, and I th to go along with what you're saying, I think investors will be more focused on that, more focused on profitability. But maybe like some of the lesson from this last year is you should maybe you should always be a little little more concerned with that right like even if even if we are an environment that dictates you can be a company with very low earnings and and get a huge valuation well you know maybe that's okay for some of your money but you want to probably be careful about that and really if you're investing for the long term being aware and understanding the profitability of the companies you're investing to, that's, it's probably a good thing to always be mindful of. Well, and it goes back to, you know, we're talking about what we see as trends for next year, but at the end of the day, it goes back to why we believe in well-diversified portfolios that we're utilizing a financial plan to create, because what hasn't changed over time is diversification. If you had a nicely diversified portfolio this year, you maybe didn't lose as much as the market. If you had, you know, if you had some level of exposure to value or dividend oriented companies, well, those have done better than growth. But if you jumped on the train of, hey, I'm an all growth investor, you've gotten schlack this year. I mean, yes, you and have. I own growth funds, but I own dividend and value funds, too. Well, those have held up relatively well. So I think what hasn't changed through all of this is just a well diversified portfolio that's been created through a financial plan. And and we just want to take people back to what the core principles are because that's really what makes people successful long term. You know, and we we did a show several months ago about, you know, was it the right time to invest and we we said, well, what would your 10-year you say about what you did today? Your, Meaning your ten in 10 years when you look back, you have a couple decisions I could sell or I could buy more. There's really two decisions, right? I could do nothing. I could sell. I could buy more. In 10 years, which self is going to be happy? The one that held, bought, or sold? And I don't know the answer to that. But if I look over most 10-year periods of time, the individual who bought or held on would have been very happy where the one who sold didn't turn out so good. Yeah, I think we could, we see that in almost every every cycle. And there's always examples there's always examples of people who like even in 2008 around then there's plenty of people that got very scared to invest and they didn't want to put their money in the market and they've missed out on, you know, on a great bull market since then. Um, but 10, uh, 10 years from now, I would bet that people that bought more 
and either held their investments or bought more during this current time are going to be happy they did that. And certainly anyone who, you know, younger investors, if there's any younger, and there's plenty of younger investors that do listen to our show, I mean, this is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that the market went down and slowed down for a while. You know, you think about new money going in, how long can investors sustain 15, you know, 15%, 20% years in the market? At some point, this is, this is going to happen. And for younger people who are working and saving, it's not a bad thing that the market slowed down for a while. You're getting an opportunity to get in at a lower price, which is a good thing for your long-term wealth building. What this is all about, Elias, is expectations. And I just pulled up a five-year return for the S&P 500. And most people's expectations have been I want to make 10 to 15% because that's what the market has done like the last 10 years up until this year. I want to say it was up like 13% a year over the last 10 years going into this year. What do you think the total return for the S&P 500, the price return for the S&P 500 is over the last five years? Total return? The total, just the the total price return. 2017. No dividends, just price return. I don't know, 150? No, 42.7%. For five years. That's 9% Jeez, a that year. That's way off. Well, think about it, though. It still is 9% a year, Elias. And the market's down 20. Market's down 20, and we're still up 42% over the last five yeah, years. Yeah. If, if five years ago, I would have went to most investors and said, hey, I believe the market is going to be up 42% over the next five years. Would you be happy with that? You know what their answer would have been? Yeah. Absolutely. But now they're unhappy because they saw their account average, you know, 13% for five years. The negative year is all part of the average. It's going to happen. It's just pure math. So don't be upset that the market's down. You're still, you're still 42% better off than you were five years ago. And there was no place else to go invest that money and make a whole lot of, whole lot of yield. Things are different today because now today there's an opportunity cost to invest. And what I mean by that is you could go buy an investment that pays you a attractive yield or interest rate today. Five years ago, if I'd have said, hey, you can get four and a half percent on a CD, people would have just bought it up left and right. And now you can. Now you can, but you know, it's four and a half and inflation's higher. And I'm not quoting prices, just Full disclosure, I'm not, you know, generally I can go find that CD on the open market. You can go to any bank bank website and find it. But my, my point is people's expectations are skewed. They expect it to never go down. And I want people to know if you've been invested in the stock market the last five years, your stock investments have probably averaged about 9%. I, I think psychologically people get, they get anchored to their high account value. Right. Like, and that's happened this last year. Everyone's account got, you know, you hit your all time high value and now your account is down. Um, but I think that's another thing we talk with clients about a lot. The market, the market's never not returned to a previous all time high. So we've all, so all time highs have always been a, a persisting number. And every time we set one, even if we go down, eventually you set a new one. And I, 
personally don't see, I, I don't see why in time that that wouldn't happen again. Like I'm not, I may be bearish on the market in the short term here, but I'm certainly not, uh, I'm probably very bullish on the market for the long term and I'm bullish on the economy and businesses in America. So I guess if those are, you know, if you believe we're going to keep making money and companies will keep getting better, it's still, still probably a good place for your money. 10 year return for the stock market. I pulled it up on Y charts. 188% over 10 years, the last 10 years through this through November 30th of 2022. That's huge. That's a lot. 188%. <laughs> so what are, I mean, people really shouldn't be upset and that doesn't even include dividends. I mean, that's 18% a year. The last 10 through November. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to leave it on that note. Let's just have a positive outlook for next year. We don't know what the market holds, but if you just think back and say, hey, if I was in the equity market about 9% the last five years, 188% return over 10 years, and this is from Y Charts, I'm on their, their website right here, um, to have a positive attitude. You know, Could the market go down? Sure. But if we set the expectations, there's going to be volatility. Let's try to hit our fair rate of return goal. Focus on what we can control. Hopefully 2023 will be a better year for everybody. Do you have any other closing thoughts, Eli? Uh, yeah, my closing thought. I mean, I hope 2023 is a better year. I think ultimately if you just if you focus on doing some planning and good investor behavior, this, uh, you know, this will pass in time. And I, have, I personally have no reason to believe people that stay invested in a diversified portfolio won't be successful over the years. So that's my, that's my final thought for today. With that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. Hope you have a great holiday. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.